Chapter Fourteen of When Knighthood Was in Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. When Knighthood Was in Flower by Charles Major. Chapter Fourteen in the Siren Country. With the king, admiration stood for affection, a mistake frequently made by people not given to self-analysis, and in a day or two a reaction set in toward Brandon which inspired a desire to make some amends for his harsh treatment. This he could not do to any great extent on Buckingham's account, at least not until the London loan was in his coffers, but the fact that Brandon was going to New Spain so soon and would be out of the way, both of Mary's eyes and Mary's marriage, stimulated that rare flower in Henry's heart, a good resolve, and Brandon was offered his old quarters with me until such time he should sail for new spain he had never abandoned this plan and now that matters had taken this turn with mary and the king his resolution was stronger than ever in that the scheme held two recommendations and a possibility the recommendations were first it would take him away from mary with whom when out of the inspiring influence of her buoyant hopefulness he knew marriage to be utterly impossible and second admitting and facing that impossibility he might find at least partial relief from his heartache in the stirring events and adventures of that faraway land of monsters dragons savage and gold the possibility lay in the gold and a very faintly burning flame of hope held out still more faintly glimmering chance that fortune finding him there almost alone might for lack of another lover smile upon him by way of squaring accounts she might lead him to a cavern of gold and gold could do anything even perhaps purchase so priceless a treasure as a certain princess of the blood royal he did not however dwell much on this possibility but kept the delightful hope well neutralized with a constantly present sense of its improbability in order to save the pain of a long fall when disappointment should come brandon at once accepted the king's offer of lodging in the palace for now he felt sure of himself in the matter of new spain and his separation from mary he longed to see as much as possible of her before the light went out forever even though it were playing with death itself to do so poor fellow his suffering was so acute during this period that it affected me like a contagion it did not make a mope of him but came in spasms that almost drove him wild he would at times pace the room and cry out jesu casket and what shall i do she will be seen the wife of the french king and i shall sit in the wilderness and try every moment to imagine what she is doing and thinking i shall find the bearing of paris and look in her direction until my brain melts in my effort to see her and then i shall wander in the woods a suffering imbecile feeding on roots and nuts would to god one of us might die if it were not selfish i should wish i might be the one i said nothing in answer to these outbursts as i had no consolation to offer we had two or three of our little meetings of four dangers as they were at which mary feeling that each time she saw brandon might be the last would sit and look at him with glowing eyes that in turn softened and burned as he spoke she did not talk much but devoted all her time and energies to looking with her whole soul never before or since was there a girl so much in love a young girl thoroughly in love is the most beautiful object on earth beautiful even in ugliness imagine then what it made of mary growing partly perhaps out of his unattainability for he was as far out of her reach as she out of his she had long since begun to worship him she had learned to know him so well and his valiant defence of her in billingsgate together with his noble self-sacrifice in refusing to compromise her in order to save himself had presented him to her in so noble a light that she had come to look up to him as her superior her surrender had been complete and she found it a joy far exceeding that of of any victory or triumph she could imagine i could not for the life of me tell what would be the outcome of it all mary was one woman in ten thousand so full of a feminine force and will a force which we men pretend to despise but to which in the end we always succumb 
like most women the princess was not much given to analysis and i think secretly felt that this matter of so great moment to her would as everything else had eventually turn itself to her desire she could not see the way but to her mind there could be no doubt about it fate was her friend always had been and surely always would be with brandon it was different experience as to how the ardently hoped for usually turns out to be the sadly regretted together with a thorough face-to-face -face analysis of the situation showed him the truth all too clearly and he longed for the day when he should go as a sufferer longs for the surgeon's knife that is to relieve him of an aching limb the hopelessness of the outlook had for the time destroyed nearly all of his combativeness and had softened his nature almost to apathetic weakness it would do no good to struggle in a boundless fathomless sea so he's ready to sink and was going to new spain to hope no more mary did not see what was to prevent the separation but this did not trouble her as much as one would suppose and she was content to let events take their own way hoping and believing that in the end it would be hers events however continued in this wrong course so long and persistently that at last the truth dawned upon her and she began to doubt and as time flew on and matters evinced a disposition to grow worse instead of better she gradually like the sundial in the moonlight awakened to the fact that there was something wrong a cog loose somewhere in the complicated machinery of fate the fate which had always been her tried trusted and obedient servant the trouble began in earnest with the discovery of our meetings in lady mary's parlor there was nothing at all unusual in the fact that small companies of young folk frequently spent their evenings with her but we knew well enough that the unusual element of parties was the exceeding smallness a company of eight or ten young persons is well enough although of course created jealousy on the part of those who were left out but four two of each sex made a difference in kind however much we might insist it was only in degree and this we soon learned was the case king's opinion you may be sure that there were many a jealous person about the court ready to carry tales and that it was impossible long to keep our meeting secret among such a host as then lived in greenwich palace one day the queen summoned jane and put her to question now jane thought the truth made only to told a fallacy into which many good people have fallen to their utter destruction since the truth like every other good thing may be abused well jane told it all in a moment and catherine was so horrified that she liked to faint she went with her hair-lifting horror to the king and poured into his ears a tale of imprudence and debauchery well calculated to start his righteous virtue-prompted indignation into a threatening flame mary jane brandon and myself were at once summoned to the presence of both their majesties and soundly reprimanded three of us were ordered to leave the court before we could speak a word in self-defence and jane had enough of her favourite truth for once mary however came to our rescue with her coaxing eloquence and potent feminine logic and soon convinced henry and the queen who really counted for little with him had made a mountain out of a very small molehill thus the royal wrath was appeased to such an extent that the order for expulsion was mollified to a command and there be no more quartet gatherings in princess mary's parlour this leniency was far more easy for the princess to bring about by reason of the fact that she had not spoken to her brother since the day she went to see him after wolsey's visit and been so roughly driven off at first upon her refusal to speak to him after the wolsey visit henry was angry on account of what he called her insolence and as she did not seem to care for that and as his anger did nothing toward unsealing her lips he pretended indifference still the same stubborn silence was maintained this soon began to amuse the king and of late he had been trying to be on friendly terms again with his sister through a series of elephantine antics and bear-like presenties which were the most dismal failures that is the way of bringing about a reconciliation they were more successful from a 
comical point of view so henry was really glad for something that would loosen the tongue usually so lively and for an opportunity to gratify his sister from whom he was demanding such a sacrifice and for whom he expected to receive no less a price than the help of louis of france the most powerful king in europe to the imperial crown thus our meetings were broken up and brandon knew his dream was over and that any effort to see the princess would probably result in disaster for both of them for him certainly the king upon that same day told mary of the intercepted letter sent to her by brandon of newgate and accused her of what he was pleased to term an improper feeling for a low-born fellow mary at once sent a full account of the communication in a letter to brandon who read it with no small degree of ill comfort as the harbinger of trouble i'd better leave her soon or i may go without my head he remarked when that thought gets to working in the king's brain he will strike and i shall fall letters began to come to our rooms from mary at first begging brandon to come to her and then upbraiding him because of his coldness and cowardice and telling him that if he cared for her as she did for him he would see her though he had to wade through fire and blood that was exactly where the trouble lay it was not fire and blood through which he would have to pass they were small matters mere nothings that would really have added zest and interest to the achievement but the frowning laugh of the tyrant who could bind them hand and foot and a vivid remembrance of the newgate dungeon with a dangling noose or a hollowed-out block in the near background were matters that would have taken the adventurous tendency out of even the crack brain of chivalry itself brandon cared only to fight where there was a possible victory or ransom or a prospect of some sort at least of achieving success bayard preferred a stone wall and thought to show his brains by beating them out against it and in a sense he could do it what a pity this senseless self-need light-headed chivalry did not beat its brains out several centuries before bayard put such an absurd price upon himself so every phase of the question with his good sense presented told brandon whose passion was an ardent though not so impatient as mary's that it would be worse than foolhardy to try to see her he however had determined to see her once before he left but as it could in all probability be only once he was reserving the meeting until the last and had written mary that it was their best and only chance this brought mary to a stinging realization of the fact that brandon was about to leave her and she would lose him if something were not done quickly now for mary after a life of gratified whims to lose the very thing she wanted most of all that for which she would willingly have given up every other desire her heart had ever coined was a thought hardly to be endured she felt that the world would surely collapse it could not would not should not be her vigorous young nerves were too strong to be benumbed by an overwhelming agony as is sometimes the case with those who are fortunate enough to be weaker so she had to suffer and endure life itself yes life a thousand times was slipping away from her she must be doing something or she would perish poor mary how grand soul like hers full of faults and weaknesses can suffer what an infinite disposition between her susceptibility to pain and her power to combat it she had the maximum capacity for one and the minimum strength for the other no wonder it drove her to almost mad that excruciating pang of love she could not endure inaction so she did the worst thing possible she went alone one afternoon just before dusk to see brandon at our rooms i was not there when she first went in but having seen her in the way suspected something and followed arriving two or three minutes after her i knew it was best that i should be present and was sure brandon would wish it when i entered they were holding each other's hands in silence they had not yet found their tongues so full and crowded were their hearts it was pathetic to see them especially the girl who had not brandon's hopelessness to deaden the pain by partial resignation upon my entrance she dropped her hands and turned quickly toward me with a frightened look that was reassured upon seeing who it was 
Brandon mechanically walked away from her and seated himself on a stool. Mary, as mechanically, moved to his side and placed her hand on his shoulder. Turning her face toward me, she said, Sir Edwin, I know you will forgive me when I tell you that we have a great deal to say and wish to be alone. I was about to go when Brandon stopped me. No, no, Caskoden, please stay. It would not do. It would be bad enough, God knows, if the princess should be found here with both of us, but with me alone, I should be dead before morning. There is a danger enough as it is, for they will watch us. Mary knew he was right, but she could not resist a, a vicious little glance toward me, who was in no way to blame. Presently we all moved into the window-way, where Brandon and Mary sat upon the great cloak, and I on a camp-stool in front of them, completely filling up the little passage. "'I can bear this no longer,' exclaimed Mary. "'I will go to my brother to-night and tell him all. I will tell him how I suffer, and that I shall die if you are allowed to go away and leave me forever. He loves me, and I can do anything with him when I try. I know I can obtain his consent to our—' our marriage he cannot know how i suffer else he would not treat me so i will let him see i will convince him i have in my mind everything i want to say and do i will sit on his knee and stroke his hair and kiss him and she laughed softly as her spirit revived in the breath of a glowing hope then i will tell him how handsome he is and how i hear the lady sighing for him and he will come around all right by the third visit oh i know how to do it i've done it often never fear i wish i had gone at it long ago her enthusiastic fever of hope was really contagious, but Brandon, whose life was at stake, had his wits quickened by the danger. "'Mary, would you like to see me a corpse before tomorrow noon?' he asked. "'Why, of course not. Why do you ask such a dreadful question?' "'Because if you wish to make sure of it, do what you have just said. Go to the king and tell him all. I doubt if he could wait till morning. I believe he would awaken me at midnight and put me to sleep forever at the end of a rope or on a black pillow. Oh, no, you are all wrong. I know what I can do with Henry.' if that is the case i say good-bye now for i shall be out of england if possible by midnight you must promise me that you will not only not go to the king at all about this matter but you will guard your tongue jealous of its slightest word and remember that every breath that on your prudence hangs my life which i know is dear to you do you promise if you do not i must fly so you will lose me one way or the other if you tell the king either by my flight or by my death i promise said mary with drooping head the embodiment of despair all life and hope leaving her again after a few minutes her face brightened and she asked brandon what ship he would sail in for new spain and whence we sail in the royal hind from bristol he replied how many go out with her are and are there any women no no he returned no women could make the trip and besides on ships of that sort half pirate half merchant they do not take women the sailors are superstitious about it and would not sail with them they say they bring bad luck adverse winds calm storms blackness monsters from the deep and victorious foes the ignorant creatures cried mary brandon continued there will be a hundred men if the captain can induce so many to enlist how does one procure passage inquired mary by enlisting with the captain a man named bradhurst at bristol where the ship is now lying there is where i enlisted my letter but why do you ask oh i only want to know we talked a while on various topics but mary always brought the conversation back to the same subject the royal hind and new spain after asking so many questions she sat in silence for a while and then abruptly broke into one of my sentences she was always interrupting me if, as if i were a parrot i have been thinking and having made up my mind what i will do and you shall not dissuade me i will go to new spain with you that will be glorious far better than the humdrum life of sitting at home and will solve the whole question but that would be impossible mary said brandon into whose face this new evidence of her regard had brought a brightening look utterly impossible to begin with no woman could stand the voyage not even you strong and vigorous as you are 
oh yes i can and i will not allow you to stop me for that reason i could bear any hardship better than the torture of the last few weeks in truth i cannot bear this at all it is killing me so what would it be when you are gone and i am the wife of lewis think of that charles brandon think of that when i am the wife of lewis even if the voyage kills me i might as well die one way as another and then i should be with you where it were sweet to die and i had to sit there and listen to all this foolish talk brandon insisted no women are going as i told you they would not take one besides how would you escape i will answer the first question you ever asked me you are of sufficient consideration about the court for all your movements to attract notice it is impossible we must not think of it it cannot be done why build up hopes only to be cast down oh but it can be done never doubt it i will go not as a woman but as a man i have planned all the details while sitting here to-morrow i will send to bristol a sum of money asking a separate room in the ship for a young nobleman who wishes to go to new spain incognito and i will go aboard just before they sail i will buy a man's complete outfit and will practise being a man before you and sir edwin here she blushed so that i could see the scarlet even in the gathering gloom she continued as to my escape i can go to windsor and then perhaps on to berkeley castle over by reading where there will be no one to watch me you can leave at once and there will be no cause for them to spy upon me when you are gone so it will be done easily enough that is it i will go to my sister who is now at berkeley castle the other side of reading you know and that will make a shorter ride to bristol when we start the thought of course could not but please brandon to whom in the warmth of mary's ardour it had almost begun to offer hope he said musingly i wonder if it could be done if it could if we could reach new spain we might build ourselves a home in the beautiful green mountains and hide ourselves safely away from all the world in the lap of some cosy valley rich with the nature's bounteous gift of fruit and flowers shaded from the hot sun and sheltered from the blasts and live in a little paradise of our own what a glorious dream but it is only a dream and we had better awake from it brandon must have been insane no no it is not a dream interrupted downright determined mary it is not a dream it shall be a reality how glorious it will be i can see our little house now nestling among the hills shaded by great spreading trees with flowers and vines and golden fruit all about it rich plumage birds and gorgeous butterflies oh i can hardly wait who would live in a musty palace when one has within reach such a home and that too with you here it was again i thought that interview would be the death of me brandon held his face in his hands and then looking up said it is only a question of your happiness and hard as the voyage in your life over there would be yet i believe it would be better than life with louis of france nothing could be so terrible as that to both of us if you wish to go i will try to take you though i die in the attempt there will be ample time to reconsider so that you can turn back if you wish her reply was inarticulate though satisfactory and she took his hand in hers as the tears ran gently down her cheeks this time tears of joy the first she had shed for many a day in the siren country again without wax overboard and lost yes brandon's resolution not to see mary was well taken if it could only have been as well kept observe as we progress into what the breaking of it led him he had known that if he should but see her once more his already toppling will would lose its equipoise and he would be led to attempt the impossible and invite destruction 
at first this scheme appeared to me in its true light but mary's subtle feminine logic made it seem such plain and easy sailing that i soon began to draw enthusiasm from her exhaustless store and our combined attack upon brandon eventually routed every vestige of caution and common sense that even he had left siren logic has always been irresistible and will continue so no doubt despite experience i cannot define what it was about mary that made her little speeches half argumentative all pleading so wonderfully persuasive her facts were mere fancies and her logic was not even good sophistry as to real argument and reasoning there was nothing of either in them it must have been her native strength of character intensely vigorous personality some unknown force of nature operating through her occultly that turned the channels of other persons thoughts and filled them with her own will there was magic in her power i am certain but unconscious magic to mary i am equally sure she never would have used it knowingly there was still another obstacle to which mary administered her favorite remedy the gordian knot treatment brandon said it cannot be you are not my wife and we dare not trust a priest here to unite us no replied mary with hanging head but we can can find one over there i do not know that will be we shall probably not find one at least i fear i do not know after a little hesitation she answered i will go with you anyway and and risk it i hope we may find a priest and she flushed scarlet from her throat to her hair brandon kissed her and said you shall go my brave girl you make me blush for my faint-heartedness and prudence i will make you my wife in some way as sure as there is a god soon after this brandon forced himself to insist on her departure and i went with her full of hope and completely blinded to the dangers of our cherished scheme i think brandon never really lost sight of the danger in almost infinite proportion of chance against this wild reckless venture but was daring enough to attempt it even in the face of such clearly seen and deadly consequences what seemed to be bravery as in mary's case for example is often but a lack of perception of the real danger true bravery is that which dares a danger fully seeing it a coward may face an unseen danger and his act may shine with the lustre of genuine heroism mary was brave but it was feminine bravery that did not see show her a danger and she was womanly enough that is if you could make her see it her willfulness sometimes extended to her mental vision and she would not see in common with many others she needed mental spectacles at times End of chapter 14 by Judy Guinan